Media Manager. Are you really maximizing your minutes? Motivator. Never, never, ever quit. Mentor. You gotta pay it forward. This. I punch failure in the face. Is the Go Get It Podcast. Now, now that you know that, go get it. Hi, this is Joey Pepin, and you can hear me at joeypepin.com. But now, you're listening to the guy Chuck Norris calls for self-defense tips, Corey Disson. Uh, yeah, Joe, uh, you're right, my man. Chuck does hit me up on Instagram every now and then. You know, once I showed him a way to disarm a would-be attacker using only a gummy bear and his pinky toe. But uh, let's not forget to give a nod to our tremendous big bald show announcer and gummy bear lover, Mr. Mark Peoples at markpeoples.com. This, my friends, is the Go Get It podcast, where we try to take a quick, fresh look at the topics, influencers, and issues that affect the voiceover world. But we are known to stray off course and tickle anything else that might interest me, especially if it helps motivate you to go get it. The Go Get It podcast is sponsored by VoiceAm, the professional voiceover demo player. Producers love VoiceAm's innovative player, and talent love VoiceAm's built-in marketing tools. Visit VoiceAm.com for a free trial. Now on today's show, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the presence of voiceover royalty. She's a voiceover actress. She is a PR pro. She is a coach, a columnist, philanthropist, event organizer, and who I want to be when I grow up, ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Joan Baker. (laughs) (laughs) I do that every week in my dance class, okay? That was hot. That was good. Oh, oh, I could go more in depth, but we are we are over Skype, so nice. Well, Joan, I am Hi I, there, Corey. I am so pumped up. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on the Go Get It podcast today. Uh let's have some fun and dive in, shall we? And go get it. And go get it. That's and go right. Get it. And who would have thought go get it used to mean when I had to go get you at the train station to produce up one of your first demos like 20 years ago when we were at uh, at Paul Turner Productions. I just I have vivid Ooh. memories of that whole thing. Corey, I did not realize that's where we met. I'm not kidding. Isn't that crazy? Although I totally know your name, I did not realize that. Yes, you're right. I had a lot more hair then. <laughs> But look at that bone structure. It, it. I mean, I don't know if your viewers know what you look like, because if anyone calls your Skype, they're going to get a whole great shot of you. You have the best bone structure oh as, my. as well as the best voice. Oh, my goodness. Bone structure. Can you see me blushing through Skype, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Joan Baker just said I have great bone structure. That's it. I'm, I'm retiring. The show's over. Show's Un- over. Unbelievable. But, yeah, that's where we met. No, Corey, I, 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 I took a train to yes. Paul Turner. Some producer, I think at Showtime, told me about Paul. And go and I went there to get some demo material to put on an already existing demo that Paul also put together. But that's right. You even greeted me at the door. Right. At 30th yeah. Street Station. I am floored. Yeah. Then we- I am floored. So I was your I was your chauffeur and I was your producer that day. Yes. 
<gasps> Unreal. Unreal. No one can see this but you. Oh, oh, oh shucks. no one can see that. Oh, shucks. I wish we were doing video. That would have been so cool. That would have been so cool. Well, you have cut, come such a long, long way. Uh, look, I mean, you don't need me to tell you that I'm proud of you, but it's unbelievable what you, how you have ascended in your career between, you know, you're at Push Creative and it's like uh, you're, you have the book you wrote and it's like one accomplishment, one accolade after the next. It's like, where do we even begin? I mean, if you just want to quick touch on, you know, the PR agency and then you wrote the book and then how that gave birth to, you know, uh, that's society, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. It all, you know what it all, every step gave birth to the next step. It's not like you couldn't have told me, Oh, you're going to be an event planner. No, I wouldn't have ever, ever guessed that. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know voiceover was a career when I got into it. I didn't even know what it was. I just knew that I could do cartoon and character voices naturally, and I could not get arrested. So you put the two together and it's like, oh, a demo <laughs> reel and voiceover. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, I had no idea um, how to pursue. No one necessarily was interested in me. So it wasn't like I was used to that. I was actually used to breaking out on my own. I uh, when I first moved to New York, I knew I had to do something because that something always worked where I was from in, in California. So I knew I had to do something. So I actually did a number of project, little projects. And when I look back, I go, wow, I got a hold of David Letterman. I did a project. This was in the 80s. I was basically a teenager. Very Key young. Word. Very, Key very word. young. Basically. Okay. <laughs> 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 so I had done these projects to get their attention. One was David Letterman. One was um, uh, Andy Warhol. Wow. And one was, believe it or not, Tom Hanks. The nice. only thing that came through was Andy Warhol. And so I ended up being in the back of, of, of Interview Magazine, and I was imitating Josephine Baker, Edie Sedgwick, and old version Coco Chanel. And and that led me to doing a nightclub act at Shea Josephine, doing Josephine Baker. No one's ever done Josephine Baker. And I partnered with Josephine Baker's son, Jean-Claude. Was that before um, the movie on HBO about her? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. yeah. As a matter of fact, I did audition for that. I even got screen tested for it before, before they changed casting directors and <laughs> went to L.A. <laughs> Right. But but um, so that led to a nightclub act again, a performance artist. I had no idea. I always wanted to be on Broadway, you know, something that was very straightforward. Everything in my career has been a byproduct of wanting to do something straightforward. So you've had these kind of really cool left turns. Yes. Yes. And, you know, when you do a left turn, you know, we know a lot more today about business and about also being unique in your business and all that. And that's more accepted. But back then I was not thinking happy times, people. I, I took a left. Yeah. I was actually not happy about it. It's only that I look back and I go, wow. Thank goodness. That's extraordinary. Right. Or if you told me that you did these things or someone else, I'd be really, really impressed. But when it's you, when it's you, you know, you sometimes you do things out of sacrifice, out of 
suffering uh, and trying to end that suffering or things aren't just going the way you thought. Like I, I'm coining it as I wanted to do Broadway. That's very straightforward, easy, you know, in terms of making goals and and being tangible with what you want to do. Everything I ended up doing has been somehow intangible and creating itself as it goes along to the, to this day, the same thing with our nonprofit society of voice arts and sciences. So everything has led me to what I'm doing now and doing a nonprofit has got to be some of the most sacrificing. I've never sacrificed so life as, in my life as I have doing a nonprofit. But what I, what I find interesting is that before I knew the work that I'm doing now in the nonprofit, I would say about my career, you know, I, I, I never felt like I was sacrificing. I honestly felt like I was living from my heart. I was living from passion. I did not feel that's a sacrifice. I can now say a step bigger than that is I am sacrificing everything. Everything is a risk. Every, every day, it's like this. Corey, it's like this. It's as if I'm on a roller coaster with my arms straight up and my mouth open wide. Now, see, to the rest of the world who sees the end result of all of your sweat and toil and hard work, they think you're riding in a parade in the convertible. Yeah. Just coasting. You know, you're, you're right. And, you know, I think it's very easy. Just like I said earlier, I said, if someone had told me the left turns that I took and it was someone else, I'd be like, that's amazing. Right. But because it's me and I know why I took those left turns to create something for myself, because I had literally nothing, I could not get arrested. Um, it, it actually ended up lessons for me to learn in order to get to the place that I am today. So it's a question here. So, I mean, look, we kind of jumped ahead here that you have this nonprofit, but I'm I'm curious. Mm. So, you know, we, we, we rewound a little bit. You're at Paul Turner productions and we're making demos and you're working with, I think it was John Wasser at the time. Yes, 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 yes. And then you, you have this budding voiceover career and then you have this very successful voiceover career. What inspired you to take that next step to go get knee deep in a nonprofit? What was the, what prompted you to do that? I love, I love that Corey. Okay. So I, my, what what changed everything actually was that my father had passed away from Alzheimer's disease 15 years ago. So 15 years ago, when, after he passed away, somehow um, in the grieving of it, I decided I wanted to use the grieving. I wanted to give back. I, and I always wanted to be a humanitarian. And somehow I was kind of sad about it because it didn't seem like it was showing up. I had no idea it would be through my dad and him passing away from Alzheimer's, which at the time was not a household name. So I decided that I was going to, one, I wanted to give back to Alzheimer's. And since I'm not rich and I can't do it like financially, I was going to do it through my talents. So I created a book called Secrets of Voiceover Success, and all the proceeds are donated to the Alzheimer's Association earmarked for a cure. That somehow... um, is the, is, is the reason why I went through everything I went through to do that book. It was not easy to, you know, even though, 
at the time, it was if, as if I had wings on my back. But it certainly wasn't easy to gather 19 people, most of them not writers, and interviewing them using their answers as if they wrote a narrative. Mm. Some people, like Don LaFontaine, instantaneous you know, writer, his chapter is extraordinarily written. Even the editors were like, well, he was an we ad, were, ad agency guy first before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's, it, the book to me is absolutely extraordinary. It's the kind of book that I would want to gobble up personally. Um, and that's kind of how I created it, how I would want to read a book about voiceover. And, you know, at the time there wasn't really that many, and there certainly wasn't any that were multiple visions because voiceover is not you know, one way you get in and get in only that way. You know, there's so many different ways. It's like kind of endless. And that's the one thing you'll definitely learn about reading the book. Sure. You will absolutely resonate with all kinds of um, situations that you will read about people that could actually guide you in your own. Because, you know, as we know about voiceover, it is not an easy career to navigate, mainly because it's a behind the scenes career. So it's not written in stone how that goes. No one knows how that goes like you would when you want to be an actor. You know what to do when you want to be a dancer. You know what you do. You you know what to do if you want to be an engineer. You do not know what to do necessarily when it comes to being a voiceover. And I also find this interesting and and definitely lessons that I've learned. And that is that in that there's no one way to get into voiceover. It is also not an easy career to navigate. You actually need people and you need guidance. You need a small community, a small village of people that can actually guide you. That's how people become successful. You cannot do it on your own. You certainly can't do it in a booth by yourself. And you also can't do it by asking a million questions on Facebook. That's not going to do it. Sure. Especially because the, the barrier of entry into the voiceover field has become so ridiculously low. Yes, you know, Thank, that's actually thanks to, I think, the pay to play sites. Sure. They've actually taught a certain a certain way of dealing with voiceover that to me, I, I call it the unregulated world of voiceover. And then, of course, there's the regulated world of voiceover and the unregulated world has nothing to do with the regulated world. So when people do come to me, as I've been coaching since 1993. Wow. Right. And again, that's also started organically. So, um, and I was approached to teach. So I didn't actually want to, but I've also found over the decades that that I can't live without it. I love it. It's not only helps other people, but it actually helped me to navigate. Sure. It, it also helped me to laugh at things that, trust me, I would not have been laughing. Not at all. Right. But in teaching, I've by by sharing my experiences um, and and then getting the response, which is funny. It's not so serious. It's it's. And in that humor, you can actually see through the weeds. Absolutely. Right. And where I might have not that I would have, but, you know, where maybe I might want to have quit. I was able to to use my my class as a platform to see what the truth really is in those sticky moments. And we could all laugh and we could also take it seriously 
and see what the truth was and move on. So it's actually been a huge blessing to be a teacher, more than I could have ever, ever have known or acknowledged. Well, in my world, what I like to preach and what you what you just said, I sum that up and put a big bow on it and call it paying it forward. Yeah. You're paying it forward. That means a lot. It's like tithing, right? The notion of tithing. You know, I might get paid for teaching, but hey, I also do other things when it comes to teaching that I don't get paid because it's not necessarily about how much I charge per hour or anything like that. It's about what I'm giving, what I'm sharing, what's making a difference, which the same thing as saying secrets of voiceover success. I donate the proceeds to Alzheimer's. So nobody's making any money because it's about the emotional, spiritual tithing of it. And you, you know, and you sleep very well too. Yeah. No, knowing you did that. Like a baby. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's even awesome. though I worry, I worry a lot. So I also have stress around sleeping, but in my heart, that notion of giving back, that notion of tithing what I know emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, in that sense, I do sleep like a baby. It's huge. Joan, it's There's huge. No question about it. No question. And then, so you got a big weekend coming up. You have a oh, very, I do. It's like, the, do. it's like the Super Bowl of voiceover events. I mean, I, I think it was published somewhere. They called it like the Oscars yeah, of voiceovers. You know, it was Good Morning America that Whoa. actually So, of course, when someone says it like that, you just go, okay. <sighs> I love it. And and it's also, again, talk about the sacrifices. It's little moments like that that help me within it. Because sometimes I look at Rudy, my partner, because our, our nose is to the grindstone. We're, we're actually created a platform where there has to be a lot of meticulousness, right? So that for Rudy, he's naturally meticulous. I'm someone that with when it comes to certain things, but now I've been meticulous about things that I had no idea I could or would be, right? <laughs> so sometimes I look at it and we're like, why are we doing this? Because it just, we are, it's like we're in a recording booth seven days a week and we don't come out for light barely. So, so again, I, every single day, Corey, I reconnect, not just to my passion, but I reconnect around being unstoppable. Because there's no other way to do it unless I recommit myself to that. Because it definitely is extraordinarily challenging. Like I said, the roller coaster ride with my arms up, with my hands up, and my mouth open. But look at what you have done. I mean, look, I'm gonna, I'm going to, you know, beat you, pat you on the back. I mean, huge right here. I mean, you have got some heavy hitters coming to this event this year: Rosario Dawson, Sigourney Weaver, Van Jones. It's unbelievable. That's right. I'll tell you, Rudy and I also, besides being, you know, nose to grindstone, we kiss a lot of babies and shake a lot of hands, right? You got to do it. But that's also at nighttime. So we, we spend a lot of time throughout the year. I mean, again, I look back, I go, my God, it's every single day and evening we are on it. We are truly on it. So, for example, Sigourney Weaver, we started pursuing her last year. And... And somehow, you know, sometimes when you are pursuing and we we're only we pursue finite amount of celebrities for the voice arts awards. You know, their schedules 
flights are, you know, they're con- they're scheduled in advance, you know, to get in there, it does takes, it takes something huge. And Rudy and I, I don't know why in our coming together, but we're like a dog to a bone. So when we get a little opening, we just don't give up. Like I said, every day I recommit to being unstoppable. Corey, I am not kidding. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. No one else is going to do it. Nobody. Right. But there's a reason. I mean, look, I can be a little more objective because I'm sitting on this side of the laptop and you're on the other side. Right. You know that, you know, yeah, of course you worked hard. Of course this didn't just fall on your lap. You you made this opportunity happen. And I mean, the moral of the story is, look, are there going to be 30 other voice arts awards? No, there's only one. But the lesson is if you work hard, if you stick to it, if you are pleasantly persistent, I like to preach that as well, and especially yeah. in the voiceover business, you can break through and be successful. Yeah. And in that sense, Corey, you're right. There, There's actually, there's no questions in that. What you just said, there is absolutely no questions. If you are a dog to a bone about your career, eventually it's going to happen. Whether it's sooner or later doesn't matter, but it will. But that's also how it works. That's not, I didn't make that up. Right. But I am living it out. And absolutely. I always have, I always have. So when, when, that's voiceover came in it to existence. It was out of the book signings and I would have my peeps in the book do the book signings, right? So it ended up developing, especially through the learning annex, because at the time I was doing a lot of learning annex seminars here in New York and Los Angeles, and my peeps were there. Out of that came an audience. So eventually Rudy and I created That's Voiceover. One day, Rudy's turned to me and said, what, would, what do you think would be the best thing that could happen to a voiceover person if it was at a conference? I literally did not, I mean, I did not skip a beat. Boom, a job! <laughs> right? From that point on, that's voiceover, not just has one job available, but this year it, it will have four. So, and these opportunities, again, if it was that easy, other conferences would be doing it. It's actually not easy. Also, we have to deal with lawyers. We have to create language. It also has to go hand in hand with the union and union rules. So all of this actually takes months and months and months. And even though people say, okay, this network said they will you know, um, do the talent spotlight, which is what it's called. Once they say they do it, it still takes me and Rudy months to connect and then connect with this department, connect with that department. It takes something huge. And so just to do that, you know, this year at That's VoiceOver, we're, we, we, we've done a speed dating event since 2012. This year we have 30, 31 casting agents, directors, buyers, and um, uh, uh, producers all in speed dating. And again, that personally took me months of work and daily. And, it, you know, and also it's like 
not getting people on the phone, getting people on the phone, trying to get referrals. And then also when I call people know, they actually know what I'm doing and know what I'm up to. Then it's about, okay, let me look at my schedule. Oh, it's in November. I can't tell you right now. I'll have to wait, you know, until this date. Can you call me back on this date? I have to chart all this, Corey. Oh my goodness. Are you exhausted? Are you exhausted? Hang on, hang on. Okay. I just took some caffeine. I'm good now. (laughs) (laughs) So I got I got to ask you we're you know yes. as we're recording this episode you mm-hmm. know we're only a couple of weeks out is is there a light at the end of the tunnel or are you already starting to make arrangements for next year's show Well Rudy and I are talking about it yes and and we're talking about it in New York but we we already know in advance just because of years of scouting locations and all that what we're up against in New York in terms of finding a place you know a venue cuz we it's only this year for the first time we decide to do it in a hotel because it's a little bit, a little bit cheaper because, <laughs> because it includes catering. Catering on its own, Corey, is some what some people make a year at their jobs. I mean, imagine, imagine the WB alone, just without anything, bare bones, it's actually maybe two people's salaries in a year of just bare bones, nothing, just to rent it. So, you know, what's in particular hard is dealing with constantly people thinking somehow Rudy and I are rich and, you know, for free. Oh, bring your friends too. Oh, your husband. Oh, bring him. T-. You know, it's like, Weird. It takes every bone in our body every single year just to pay for Jazz at Lincoln Center or just to pay for the WB. I mean, this is the bare bones work behind it. So that's why I'm telling you there is a lot of stress and there's a lot of sacrifice and personal financial sacrifice from me and Rudy. But again, recommitting to being unstoppable and making a difference in the lives of our people in our community is what takes over for me. And Rudy, of course. You're, That's really what takes over. You're doing a good thing, Joan. You're doing a good thing. You didn't need me to tell you that, but it's uh, it's no, a, it it, it's a treasure. No, it it's a treasure what you're doing. I mean, to recognize the talent, to you're providing scholarships, you're providing business connections, a night of entertainment, and it's not it's not just some evening at the Rotary Club. This is a big time gala that you're that you're doing. And it's amazing. And every step of the way, it takes something, you know, precise and meticulous to, to have it roll out with ease. And it's basically me and Rudy most of the year. Of course, when it gets closer to the event, that's when we have to start hiring our team and putting a team together. And then, of course, we have our advisors. And then Rudy and I personally have our own spiritual guru that we go to so that everything can kind of roll off our shoulders as easy as possible. And by the way, Rudy, for whatever reason, he's easier with things, letting them roll over their shoulder. I'm not Corey. <laughs> you got to have a little bit of balance. If the both of you were extremely yeah. high strung, you'd explode. <laughs> That's right. you, you can't do That's that. Right. But so I am always working on inner peace for myself too, because again, like I said, it's, it's, it every day is like a roller coaster ride. And, you know, and sometimes some days are devastating and other days are like, Oh my, I mean, literally on a cloud. Right. So I do want to say that 
I am absolutely grateful for, you know, the powers that be upstairs and also you and other people that are that get the vision and that understand what it takes and they're on board with it and they want to talk about it and promote it and and also see the value in it. When I was when I go to auditions, you know, I'm not someone that necessarily auditions from my booth only. In New York, we have to go to auditions. And for years, one of the number one complaints that I took in and noted was the fact that voiceover was just not acknowledged. People were not acknowledged. And when there's an industry that's not truly acknowledged, there's a lot of issues. It's the same thing in corporation. If in a corporation you have, don't have good morale, you're not going to have good work out there progress, right? So so creating this platform was a way to acknowledge and acknowledge what we do and also to somehow have that sift through the person's soul so they feel proud of what they're doing and, and, and see light at the end of the tunnel. It's not just getting an award, but it's earned. It's something that you see that this is how it works. This is what it takes. Also, awards speak to the very people that we're trying to get work from. Buyers. That's what they think about. Have a conversation with them. They talk about award-winning work because it gets them clients. Credibility. So, yeah, exactly. That's everything. And so if you're dealing with an industry that doesn't have that credibility, it's going to make it much harder to get paid. It's going to get much harder to even have a conversation, one that's equal and balanced. So there's just so many things that have come out of this platform that I couldn't have really anticipated, although I knew it was there from my own experience. Right? Joan, I I, I got to just tip my hat. I'm not wearing one, but I'm tipping it for you. I mean, th- <laughs> this was an amazing experience. You and I could certainly do two, three hours easy just going back and forth here. Um, thank you, Corey. Thank you for listening and thank you for having me on. I can't even tell you. And then knowing that I actually worked with, I mean, <laughs> and I remember how amazing you were then. Oh boy. I was about the wee lad. Yes, you were, I but was... also a brilliant wee lad. Well, you are, t- you are too kind. And, and if you can hang in here with me, I got to do my little crazy outro here. Bear with me. So listen, thank you, Joan Baker. You are a mm-hmm. good egg. You're doing a good thing. Um, keep an eye out for the, the, uh, the voiceover arts awards and the voice that's voiceover career expo. It's on November 17th and 18th. It's a huge event. And a a quick reminder, as I do an awkward segue into that, this show was brought to you by voice Sam. I want to give a high five out to our show announcer, Mr. Mark peoples today's featured voice talent, Joey Pepin and to our producer, Christopher Disson, multi-talented Pro Tools aficionado, and proof that nepotism is still alive and well. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you next time. Joan, I appreciate you. Until then, go get it. (laughs) 